0: Welcome everyone back to a Better Board Games podcast. Uh, I'm McKay, uh, the board critic, and I'm here with Evan
1: from Being Friends. um, Quick plug, that's my YouTube channel. We're here today. We are excited to dive in this topic. We are going to be talking about gateway games and your journey as a gamer and what that all entails. So stick around. We're super excited to dive in.
0: Okay, so board gaming is kind of an interesting thing. I mean, we talk about journeys. It's not only interesting because journeys and quests are the topic of a lot of board games. But a lot of the best ones, even. Yeah. Maybe. It's interesting to dive into, like, okay, let's analyze, like, your past, your present, and your future as far <laughs> as where you are in this board game journey because that's really what it is. And as we've discussed, we think it might be handled... Uh, inappropriately at times. So that's kind of what we want to get at. And <laughs> full disclosure, we don't know where this is going to end up.
1: No idea. Um,
0: we do know a few
1: things. Um, so I'll, I'll just kind of open with this idea that we were thinking about. Um, so there's a term called gateway games in the hobby, and it's a fairly inoffensive term. It basically means uh, these are games that are really palatable and really like easy to digest. These are games that are going to introduce you to the hobby and bring you into this grand vast world of board games and hopefully lead you to better games
0: with that term right is that it's it's a necessary evil right that it kind of exists there (laughs) to bring you in but past that you want nothing to do with it is kind of like the assumption that the term gives so you hear things like people will talk about say ticket
1: to ride they'll say something like That's such a, like, someone's like, that's such a good game. Like, yeah, it's a good gateway game. Right. And that's it. And, and here's the thing. So first of all, like, like we said, it's, it's not actually like rooted in this malicious place. The the idea is simply, these are good games to introduce people to board games. And that's completely fine. There's, there is that, you know, gateway X for a lot of different hobbies, including drugs. No, that's just where (laughs) the term comes from, right? Gateway drug. Right. Uh, <laughs> now with board gaming what's interesting is that games you have to learn them which means there are concepts that are harder to learn and so some games are just like really not great places to start with board gaming for a lot of people some people have like i know people who started games with like mage knight and it's like okay there there you go that's like that's for you but for yeah. the most part
0: people need a little bit of a like you know stepping stones per se. yeah so let's i mean if we take this as just like if we continue this analogy of a quest or a journey it's it's like dropping somebody off in a helicopter like halfway up mount everest and saying like continue like just keep going you're gonna get there and it's gonna be great it's it's more about controlling experience than anything else right yeah. is this idea of we don't just want to throw you in the deep end of a pool. We want to give you training wheels and like give you this kind of like process of getting into better games. But all of those analogies still beg the question, is your end goal really heavy games? And what if you never get there? Have you failed as a gamer?
1: Yes, you have. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I may, I may or may not land on that side at least a little bit. Not necessarily that dramatically, but
0: maybe a little bit. Anyways, you brought up Ticket to Ride, and I'll be completely <laughs> honest. When somebody says that they love Ticket to Ride, I judge them. And <laughs> not not like harsh judgments, but I do but like... But judgments. Yeah, they, they fall a notch in my eyes. I'm just like, really? Oh. You enjoy... Take it to ride because it's slow. There's not much thought that needs to go into it. There's just, uh, it just feels like when somebody says their favorite kind of ice cream is vanilla. I'm just hey, like, wait, 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 oh, wait, wait. wait, wait. Gosh, there's vanilla? a
1: world out there of you better are, things. You are misunderstanding vanilla. Vanilla isn't default or plain. It is, has its own complexity on its own. So to do that like, metaphor. <laughs>
0: No, At you least. better include this in the cut. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> it's there's nothing wrong with vanilla, and a good vanilla ice cream is like sublime. And I will give you that. I've like homemade vanilla, like scraping out the vanilla bean and stuff like that. When vanilla ice cream is done really well, I I can I can see that. Okay, okay. So I hear
1: I hear you now. It's kind of like saying ticket to ride is softer vanilla ice cream. Yes. But then X gateway game. What's a good one? Quacks of Quedlinburg. Yeah. the gateway game that's actually craft vanilla bean gelato yes,
0: yes. so're both vanilla within this um this world of vanilla ice creams um that's just like if somebody were like oh yeah just like the Walmart brand vanilla ice cream best ice cream you're ever gonna taste I'm like no no probably it's not, not. <laughs> I it may be probably not <laughs> I don't think so I doubt it anyway so that's kind of like the <clears throat> The assumption, and I need to work on like not judging people for loving Ticket to, to Ride because there was a time in my life when I loved Catan, uh-huh. and I'm now at a point where I have no interest in playing. If somebody Me were be like, "Hey, let's play Settlers of Catan," I'd be like, mm, "I'd just rather like go do the play dishes something, do the like dishes."
1: <laughs> I'm I, gonna just do chores. You guys can play. No, it's uh, funny. People know me in in my life, people know me as like the game guy. Like I'm always down to play a game and that's pretty much true. So it's just so funny when someone like recommends a game that I just don't want to play. Like I'm going to go do some chores. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny to me. Like people be like, is it that bad to you? Yes, it is. No, um,
0: it's, it's, it's interesting. Where do we sit on like this judgment scale of these things though? Because. Okay, we've we've been there, right? Was there a time in your life where you loved Catan and it was just like, yeah, this is awesome? So yes, I did like it. Okay,
1: I did like other games more at the time. Even I burnt out on it really quickly when I was in like eighth grade. So, okay. um, but I did like Catan a lot. We played it often, and maybe I did love Catan more than I remember. But I do like I like telling people,
0: you know, I never I never really liked Catan that much.
1: So maybe <laughs> I'm just making that up. But. <laughs>
0: You're, you're glazing over that. In your- yeah. <laughs> um. So, okay. But if that's our experience, right? Like, we experienced this progression of, yeah. hey, we liked Catan. We and then found we tried so much better. Other
1: games. Exactly. So that's, that's where it gets complicated for me. Or not complicated, but like, maybe frustrating for me. Is when someone's like, can't I just like not ever try anything else ever? I found what I liked. And it's like, I guess. But... <laughs> But and so someone, someone will say something like, no, Catan, I love Catan, and that's my opinion. That's okay, right? And I'm over here like, yeah, I used to love that, but then I learned more, and now right. my opinion has changed. Yours should too, which is <laughs> not the way it's, like, that's not true. They are not, you know, they don't need to go on the same journey as I have. Right. But having gone on that journey, it makes it difficult to empathize with somebody at the beginning stages. And I think that's probably just true about, frankly, any journey. Right. Um, this one's a lot less, a lot more lighthearted of a concept. But um, nonetheless, when somebody likes something that I used to like and have since learned better, essentially, mm-hmm. it's, it's challenging to <laughs> have empathy.
0: <laughs> right. So if, if any of our listeners are having a hard time with following analogies, I will just apologize profusely because there are so many analogies that we can compare this to. Uh, We had talked previously about art and uh, food even. Like, I have a sister who's just like, she goes to a restaurant and everything she orders is like some variation on fettuccine Alfredo. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh my gosh. (laughs) I get it. It's good. And a good fettuccine Alfredo is great. But I'm like, you're missing so many other flavor combinations. And I don't know. And it's... It's this hard thing where you've gone through a progression and you want other people to experience a similar level of enlightenment, if For sure. you will. For but, sure. So the the analogy that I've come down to, and you can correct me on this, I haven't run this by you yet. If as long is, as it's not bashed on vanilla ice cream,
1: <laughs> I'm okay with your analogy.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is good to remember. So imagine you walk into like you are trying to find a place to set up your house. You're one of like the three little pigs from Grimm's Forest or, or the Grimm sure. Forest, whatever. You go into the walls of a city and near the outskirts, outskirts of the city, it's fairly farmland. You continue inward and you get kind of like a middle ground of like farmland, but you're so close to the city. You go even deeper and you're like part of the city, hustle and bustle, all of that. Now, people have these preferences. None of them are wrong. You can think that hey, I enjoy the city, the convenience, the nightlife, the energy, like all of that may be where you get your energy and your excitement. And it may be completely opposite for the person who likes the quiet of the countryside, the still nights, stargazing, like all of that. None of these things are wrong necessarily, but one will naturally, I mean, this is the townhouse, the town mouse and the country mouse, right? That you can have different preferences I guess our quest is to figure out like, does that exist in board gaming? Can somebody Absolutely. stop at Catan and just be like, I don't uh, like heavier things than this. So many
1: people have stopped at Catan, and it, it breaks my heart. It's like a separate hobby. There's people who like board games, and there's people who like Catan, right? And then there is the weird few who love both. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's probably less, uh, more common than i'm thinking but
0: that's actually no, probably um, a topic for a whole other discussion is yeah, like Catan. <laughs> do games replace each other right like Ooh, that is a good once, question once you get because i mean i just played race for the galaxy and i'm like man i don't know how much i'll want to play wingspan anymore because race for Whoa. the Galaxy is arguably like just a i can imagine better version i mean i um i haven't played either but i can imagine yeah and it's just i don't know The idea of it like stepping into its place and ruining the previous one just because it's a little bit better. I mean, we see it with food and restaurants, right? It's like, I don't have any desire to go to that restaurant because I found this one that's on a similar price scale and it's just better.
1: Interesting. Uh, Definitely a good topic for the future. Stick around if you (laughs) (laughs) want to hear us
0: ramble about that. Um, I, I could also create a whole segment of games that have replaced other games. That's a. I, I would love to see that list at the very least. Yeah. Um. I haven't been there
1: yet because I keep not selling games. So I'm like, <laughs> I might, I might play that sometime. Yeah. Do people? Can people have preferences when it comes to board games? One hundred percent. Yes. And it's I respect their preferences absolutely. And you know, I even I have preferences, but. Well, even I, I don't know what that means. Of course I have preferences. Uh, We all have preferences. And here's where it gets sticky with the idea of gateway games and heavy games and stuff. Somebody who is new to board gaming, the chances of them enjoying one of those really heavy games is really, really low. Like right off the gate. Sometimes they do. But if they play the lighter games and then gradually get more complex and, and whatnot, and then visit that game, you know, down the road. Mm-hmm. There's a much greater chance that they would enjoy it because they understand certain things that are going on. They 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 don't have as much cognitive load uh, on the forefront, stuff like that. So the question is, is it preference that makes them not want to play heavier games, or is it that it's
0: scarier or um, more intimidating? And that's I think that's where it gets really easy to judge. Because <laughs> it's it's easy to say, oh, you don't like the heavier games because you haven't tried them enough. And I think it's one of those things that you just need to be okay with people's preferences once you've verified that they have given some kind of effort totally. to slightly heavier games. For now, sure. no doubt some people get just kind of into this like comfortable mode where they I said that really weird comfortable mode where they don't really like to branch out. And they're Mm -hmm. just like, no, I like what I like. We can get this game going fast and dive in. There's no, I mean, learning a new game takes some serious mental fortitude. There's so many complexities to this issue Um, as far as preference versus just like what I would dub a little bit of laziness and not wanting (laughs) to like, really like try to learn a new game. Um, all of these things play into it. And I think at the end of the day, we can say preference is completely fine. Like, we want to encourage preference and oh, people really 100%. understanding their preference. The other ones <laughs> might be okay to judge people for it if they're just like, eh, I just don't want to put in the effort to try that vast now, like superior game. Right. Because
1: <laughs> they're, you know, they're comfortable with the ones they already know. Right. And while I'm with you on that, i'm also just thinking it's pr- like it's pretty much 100% fine if someone is content and doesn't want to you know maybe they're lazy but they're they're content and there's like really no like intrinsic reason for someone to have to want to play the better games even though i would like for there to be like think, like thinking about life as a whole yeah there's not arguably there's not really a loss if they don't play terra mystica
0: (laughs) i hate hearing that like weirdly enough a little bit of me dies when i (laughs) come to the truth that if play if person a in my life does not play or enjoy or enjoy (laughs) classic Pudlinberg then they're no worse of a person or they're (laughs) going to be just as full and satisfying as if they did. Because I think the reason why we're all here is because board games have had a significant impact on our lives or continue Uh to in like our relationships with others. So it's it's kind of a hard thing to stomach that something else fills that void, (laughs) right? (laughs) I mean-
1: yeah so I think I think just thinking about it like somebody is content and like maybe you know the person really well maybe that is them just like being a like not wanting to get out of their comfort zone maybe it would be good to give them a little nudge um even then I'm like I don't know if board games are the place that that really matters if someone's stuck in like a comfort zone thing in like a grand scheme of their life they've been working at the same job that they hate for 10 years you know that's different yeah that's their life this is leisurely pastime um for some people it's leisurely (laughs) for most people (laughs) right
0: (laughs) so say i'm i'm a friend well maybe not even a friend you've just met me we get talking about board games and i'm like oh yeah i'm a board gamer i love like uh i mean guess who and then like we just we just found out about Catan and heard something about pandemic so there's like obviously like this interest uh moving in don't write me (laughs) off just yet Sell me on a game that I've never heard of before that is, like, complex. Okay. Not to put you on the spot or anything. I, am, I mean, you're putting it on the spot. So I see Sheriff of Nottingham on your shelf. Okay. Sell that one to me. I mean, I've never really played, like, a, a strict bluffing game or, like, lying to people's faces. Explain Sheriff of Nottingham to me, which we make this all out in the end. Um, but I want to see, like is there a way to help people like take them by the hand and lead them into like you know what there are some similar things to this Got you, i just want to show you why this is a little bit more dynamic totally than kind of a, pr- a fairly stagnant and like repetitive game such as settlers or ticket to ride
1: okay what did you enjoy about guess who and Um, Have you played Settlers of Catan?
0: (laughs) Yes, Settlers of Catan. So I played it like five times with my friends. And I love that the board is completely different every time. You just don't know what's going to be next to what. Sometimes like weed is super scarce. And so it's like really dynamic and interesting because uh, it's different every time and you have to think on your toes. Um, I grew up with Guess Who? So it's probably a little bit more nostalgic than anything for me. But yeah. Uh, Settlers of Catan is awesome.
1: Heck yeah! No, yeah, it's a it, it's a it's a cool game. I I used to like to a lot, but then I'm I'm playing this up as extra. <laughs> this is awesome. But then, <laughs> you know what game I want to show this guy? Cosmic Encounter.
0: Okay. I've actually never played it, so sell it to me.
1: Okay, so I want, I want to show you this game called Cosmic Encounter. Are you a sci-fi fan at all? Yeah, I like sci-fi. Yeah? I mean, I'm not like a sci-fi nut, but definitely like Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah, I'm not really a huge nut either, but this game called Cosmic Encounter, it basically is four or five people and they all take control of a different alien and they're vying for control of the whole galaxy. So it's kind of like a tan in that way where you're, you're trying to get, you know, build different settlements and stuff. But you're, what you're doing is sending ships to battle on different planets. But what's really cool is that every alien is completely different. And so you mentioned that like you love how every game felt different with the different placement of the hexes in Catan in this game, the aliens are different. So the game plays out completely differently because of that. Plus similar to Catan, there's a lot of negotiation. There's a lot of social stuff. Um, In Catan, you're trading resources and stuff in um, Cosmic Encounter. You are negotiating about like who's on your side and who your allies are and things of the sort. And it's just a brilliant game
0: here's here's our debrief afterward let me tell you how you did <laughs> is this is this like therapy is this what's happening right now we'll Yes. Play I'm, <laughs> I'm very like on the download providing therapy did you
1: find out that like i'm super screwed up because i'm recommending this game to someone
0: no um okay. so if i'm if i'm somebody who's just getting kind of into the hobby settlers of 10 is kind of like my first insight into like wow there are other games out there that are actually pretty approachable um yeah, cosmic cosmic encounter sounds very doable for me. Something about it sounds intimidating still, and I can't really decide what. Um, maybe it's the idea of like maybe maybe it pinged like risk in my head, which that's just me. That's not like the person I was playing. I don't love risk, and it's long and brutal. And anyway, part of it <laughs> part of it sounded risk to me, so that was like a little bit of a red flag. Um, okay. But what I do like about that is there is like this, uh, there are things about games that got people there. And the social mechanic of Settlers of Catan is a really obvious one. Like the Mm -hmm. talking and trading and all of that, getting a little bit sore over somebody racing you to like a road spot that you wanted to build on. Like all of that's a very real thing. And so I do think you made a great recommendation. Thank you. It's nothing like risk. Good. could <laughs> we could can, we can all be happy about that. Uh, I took us on a huge sidebar that was like <laughs> elevator pitches of the game. Um... No, but that's that's how it, how it happens.
1: That's how it goes right. or you, you hear, Somebody's interested in the hobby. Like sometimes I'm just flabbergasted when someone's like, "Oh, I love board games!" Like, and then they list those like yeah. Hasbro classic <laughs> games. I'm like, "Why?" No, no, you don't. <laughs> and and I, and it's just actually kind of like, oh, they like. And this actually comes down to the fundamental reason why, or one of the fundamental reasons why I love board games. They obviously because there's no good game there. <laughs> what there is though is you get to sit around a table with a group of friends and interface with the same thing and have share an experience. Even though that experience really isn't great, thinking about like Candyland or whatever, like if you're enjoying Candyland, then
0: that's actually proves why board games work as a whole. It's true. And just as a weird social experiment, what we're saying is for a large part of the population, it's not about the game at all. Like the game could literally be, I mean, let's take paper, rock, scissors or heads and tails, like tic-tac-toe, if you will, like games that have next to no skill and really no investment, but they're still somehow around and they exist.
1: Hot take. Rock, paper, scissors is a good game and it does take skill.
0: (laughs) No, no. Okay. That's our, that has to be one of our next ones.
1: Rock, paper, scissors is vanilla ice cream, to be honest.
0: You can get it like finessed if you really want to, but how most people experience it is pretty lame. Is that what you're saying?
1: Maybe they experience it. Well, I have no idea. All I know is that it's super fun. Here's the thing. So we talked about gateway games. We talked about how everybody is maybe wanting to play more heavy games, or maybe they are happy with what they have. Here's the thing for me. I'm still constantly trying to think of what game is like one step further for them to show them a new experience that they can, you know, really enjoy that stretches them a little bit.
0: I still want to do that. I think the question is, is that wrong? Like, are we trying to push them into something that they're uncomfortable with or that they don't want because it's something that we like? I mean, am I pushing somebody toward like, I don't know. Other ice creams than vanilla when you're just like, no, it's like what I want. Are we wasting their time and effort and energy and interest in these things just because it's our preference? I think for me, something that comes to mind, I don't even know if
1: this is answering your question, but one thing that comes to mind is um, essentially, I am 100% fine. I hear stories of, of gamers who have played a bunch of different games. They go and they're playing more and more complex games and they're like, seeing what's great about them and even enjoying them to a certain extent but then after a while they start leaning towards the more elegant games again and they lean towards the like this is a simple system with tons of depth and even though those games even though i do like a lot of those games i still really really love the more complex games for me and even though we have a different preference i a hundred percent understand that for them because they found that themselves and they went on that journey and I think that it's difficult for me when someone starts a journey and then just like oh we're good and then they never care to th- try anything else and it's like this is what I like it's like but you haven't tried anything else right so that's where that's the that's something that's challenging for me at least um and I don't know how what that like means for me like what should I
0: do like it's probably just fine so here's kind of my I'm going to give you a little bit of, like, my journey in a nutshell um, and where I kind of see myself and where I kind of see myself going just to give you some context of my kind of final thoughts. Um, I played board games from the time I was young, mostly Hasbro and things like in mind games, like Mastermind and stuff like that uh-huh. that were kind of like uh, logic games, I guess you could say. Um, it was sometime time in... Uh, Junior high or high school that I was introduced to Catan, thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. Um, me and my f- me and my friends played it endlessly, um, but then I realized what other like games there were. And I think part of it, part of what opened my eyes, was an increase in budget. I could start purchasing these games that I was interested in, and then it kind of like snowballed after that. Before I was kind of like beholden to like my parents' passions and whims. Um, so now I'm sitting firmly past what I consider gateway games. Although there are some more elegant gateway games that I still very much enjoy playing. Um, but I sit firmly in like that medium level. I like a game to take about an hour and a half, much shorter feels just like, eh, it was over a little bit too fast. I'm much longer and I'm kind of like, man, I'm like a working dad with three kids. I just don't have time to devote like two and a half hours to a single game. Totally. And so I guess like my, my summation is I want people to have like these preferences and I want to honor those preferences, but I think it's a slow and like gentle process of like taking them by the hand and introducing them to more, what I would consider sophisticated taste, although that's probably reductive and insulting. Um, (laughs) But there are, I think it's, I think you can't argue that there are more elegant games than Settlers of Catan. Things that have done the same things better. I think that's, you may have people arguing based on preference, but I think that's an indisputable fact that there are games that play better with a simpler rule set and just a more streamlined, elegant experience. And that's where I'm like, yeah, I want people to keep exploring because I think that's there. And I think they can have a better gaming experience than they currently know. I do need to come to terms with the fact that people may peak at Catan and then, they just don't want anymore. And it weirdly helped you saying that like they aren't any worse of a person (laughs) (laughs) for stopping there. And that's true. Just like hiking or anything else. It's like you do it for enjoyment. Mm. And as soon as the enjoyment stops, if you don't see that like glimmer to like keep pushing for it, then yeah, like take a break. Like maybe don't like write off complex games, but take a breather. Like Play Catan for a couple of years. You still have lots more years where you can play more complex games if you get to that. <laughs> that's that's
1: it's just really interesting to me. Um, and I think that it does kind of like end on this fact that one, everyone has their own preferences, and it completely may just not be the more complicated games. Mm-hmm. That's completely fine. And two, sometimes people don't really have the interest to devote energy to finding their true preference
0: right
1: and both both sides of that are 100 percent okay um i would i do think that a gateway game is is still like a fine term because it's introducing them to something and whether or not they want to dive deeper into it is up to them but they're you know they're through the gate um and i would also say that I also think maybe it's not gateway games on one side of the scale and then more complex games on the other. Maybe that's not the only, there are a large variety of simple games that do a lot of different things. And I would just say, if you know somebody who doesn't really want to branch out and you know doesn't really want to play the more complicated games because they're harder to learn and whatnot, show them another simple game that does something different. Mm-hmm. They're still going to have a new experience and it's still going to show them what they might like more. For instance, maybe I show somebody coup or cockroach poker and they go, I don't really enjoy games where I have to lie. Mm -hmm. That's completely fine. That's their preference. No problem. And they didn't have to, you know, like do a lot of work to find that out. Like basically my thought is, it's not just about getting them to more complex games, but it is about helping
0: them find what games they'll enjoy the most It is a better world of board games if we can just accept that like this is all about experimentation and taste. And Mm -hmm. we likened this to art at the very beginning of this discussion, and um, or at least when we first started discussing this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really think that's what it's about. You don't find the piece of art that you like and stop looking at art. And you may choose to buy a specific piece of art and own it. But art is about like finding newness and things that like speak with you, like resonate with you personally. And that is the beautiful thing about this vast world of board games. There's so much to be digested and it's not about arrival anywhere. It's about a sampling and an experience with other people. Thank you all for joining us for this conversation. And it was definitely a little scattered, but hopefully you were able to focus. Uh, really, at the end of the day, we just want people to play more board games and hopefully discover a better world of board games. Not necessarily better board games, because I think that's a place where it's really hard to judge. So yep. just go more equals better Better in my experience. Yeah. Just go experience more with more people and uh, yeah, go build a better world of board games. All right. Post show. Anything? The post show is fun.
1: The post show is fun. Yeah,
0: I love the post show. <laughs>
1: I hope that anyone listening also loves the
0: post-show. <laughs> I know. If you do, let us know, because it always just feels like we're talking to ourselves. At, which time. we
1: are talking to ourselves, and that's, that's the
0: nature of a conversation, I guess. What have you been playing lately? Uh, let's see. Um, Eon's End. Yes. <laughs> still? So
1: Of course. Yeah, still.
0: So a uh, little bit of an update from last time. I did get the Legacy version. Um, on Saturday, I have it scheduled Saturday that I think eight o'clock we are set to kick off the first play of Eon's End Legacy. So excited! That's gonna
1: be so fun. The first session introduces the Legacy game in such a fun way. I was just like, this is awesome. Good. It's like, it's like barely the game, but it, it you'll see it's just like, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the legacy campaign is really great. I think like four of the nemesis in that campaign are like some of my favorites of all of them. So really, yep.
0: That's awesome. And that
1: might be because I, I, I think like objectively, those are some of my favorites, but then also the journey you go on when you're ma- making your characters in the meantime is quite a lot of fun. So that's going to be really
0: good. That's awesome. Um, I also played a uh, century golem edition. Nice, um, okay. Which my sister played it before me. I bought it before her, but then she actually got it and played it before nice. me. Uh, that's because she doesn't have kids. So that's a whole other rant. She probably um, has
1: less uh, shelf of a shame too. Yeah,
0: she definitely does. My shelf is without a control. Um, but she she described it to me as I think it's a better splendor, and okay. when I when I played it, I kind of had that in my head, and I was like. You're absolutely right. Like this is, when I say better, that's a hard term because I've also become disenchanted with Splendor. Sure, Um, It's just gotten boring to me. It sits right next to Ticket to Ride and um, Settlers of Catan for me to where your turns are pretty scripted and it's just kind of, yeah, whatever. That's okay
1: Uh, for a game to become retired.
0: It is, and in, and I, I told my wife after, I was like, I do think I will never want to play Splendor again because I know that I could play this in about the same amount of time with a lot more dynamic nature to it. Or at um, the very least, and I haven't played either game, so I don't know,
1: at the very least, it's new for now.
0: Right, and that and that may be the only thing that replaces it for a bit. Um, maybe at some point I'll be like, oh yeah, I do kind of want to play Splendor again. But there was a really, there's an interesting like exchange thing that goes on. So there's like a hierarchy of gems. You go from yellow to green, then green to blue and blue to pink. And pink are the most valuable, just in the sense that to pay for the cards that require pink, there are just more victory points attached to them. Um, But there was a really fun thing that they did. I went into it like pretty blind, not knowing. I just read through the rules and we played. No like playthrough videos or anything like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like all of these cards are just exchanging gems for other gems. And then all of a sudden it clicked. And I was like, oh, wow, this one card will allow me to take one green gem and split it into three yellow gems. And so what I did was I had this crazy mill of just getting a green gem, splitting it into three, and then like mass paying in yellow gems uh, for things. and that's not at all what my wife was doing. She actually had like a really linear upgrade structure from like all of the gems. And I ended up destroying her. That's neither here nor there. Sorry if you're listening to this, babe. Um, but it for a while there, it was like really nerve wracking um, seeing like trying to analyze whether her upgrade structure was better than mine. So I don't know, I need to play it more to like figure out how many different avenues to success there are and how reliably you can like lean into one because that's likely to destroy a game if it's too steep. Um but so far I was impressed with it.
1: Heck yeah. I I've been interested in that game specifically. So most mostly because of the art. Um, yeah, with the that art with that amazing. one. I love the the lore and legends of like golems and stuff. I find it just to be like awesome but um the game also seems like it's actually fairly fun and um so I definitely like to try it maybe I should try that one and Splendor one time
0: and see with a fresh perspective that would be amazing that that is for sure a YouTube episode that I would watch is like we're gonna play Splendor then we're gonna play this and we're just gonna see like is one just like because I get out. totally wrapped up in the honeymoon phase of games. Like, something that's new to me, I'm way more likely to enjoy it. For sure. And so I can't ever offer that perspective. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's interesting.
1: That would be really interesting. Um, heck, yeah. So, first of all, Eon is great. Second of all, that's awesome that uh, Century Golem Edition is pretty cool. Um, I have been playing not a lot of games. Um I've been really distracted and busy lately. Um I recently just got another job. Oh cool. Um which I, did I tell you about that? At the game store? Yep. Woohoo. Yeah, I got the job there. Um That's I'm starting awesome. in like a, a couple of weeks but um the last week I've been like sort of thinking about that and anticipating the you know the call where I got the answer.
0: Yeah. Um and a few
1: other things that are happening in my life I'm just like fairly distracted right now but i have been playing some games still um i'm mostly honestly distracted from actually making content about games and i'm just like (laughs) oh crap i'm getting behind and my brother's gonna be like you're getting behind uh (laughs) is he your twin i've wondered this we're not twins
0: really uh he's
1: two years older than me actually okay um we've gotten that a lot we've also gotten from some people that we actually don't look that similar so i don't know what it is really? i couldn't tell you i don't think we that similar.
0: there were a couple times where i was like did evan shave his beard
1: because <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's him we we talk similarly okay. and um we both have glasses
0: so that does that does, that it does mask a lot like i have no idea what you look like under your beard I, maybe it's a lot I like can I don't want to remember
1: <laughs> it's been a long time um Anyways, so despite having been distracted from making content, mm-hmm. um, I've been playing a little bit of Gloomhaven with my sister. I've been playing a little bit of, I don't know, mostly yesterday or a couple days ago, I got Ashes Reborn in the mail. Okay. Um, have you heard of Ashes Rise of the Phoenixborn?
0: No, I saw you post about it. I was like, I have not
1: heard of that one. So it's a cool story. Um, so Ashes is was an old um expandable game not old from like 2015 expandable game that a lot of people loved and they a lot of things went wrong as well as a lot of things went wrong outside of their control and then they actually like kind of as they developed the game some of the things got pretty unbalanced and it was just like the game ended up actually dying pretty fairly quickly um Mm -hmm. it still had like a huge almost like a cult following because the game is actually really really cool yeah. And some people are like, like, I know one of my friends who he loves like all the heaviest games and he's like, ashes is actually like one of the best card game systems I've ever, I've ever played. Um, so it's proof, right? No. Um, I, don't know, I actually do respect his taste though a lot anyways. So it died. And remember, this is just cool. It's called ashes rise of the Phoenix porn. So it's about these like magic people who are called Phoenix porns. It died. Um, and um team covenant this is actually the uh place that i got the job recently okay. um at covenant um, at their tulsa storefront um and they basically teamed up with the old publishers plat hat games and said they like had some conversations they're like we want to bring this game back um and they're like if you can get a thousand people to subscribe to their subscription service, which is how they like send out games. Basically, like you subscribe and you get all the new content really easily. Um, So they're like, if you can get a thousand people, then like, we'll just make it and we'll like basically make like a 1.5 edition, almost like, almost like a second edition. They basically like fixed a lot of the cards. They changed some, a lot of the rules, made it more elegant, made it more streamlined and Mm -hmm. more balanced. And so way more fun basically. And it's coming out. It came out again recently as ashes reborn um because so through that is so poetic by the way so cool um also just awesome in general it's called it's covenants doing this thing called player driven production i believe it is and Uh it's basically the the idea is it's a new model of selling a game it's basically like listen we're gonna keep making this game as long as we have the direct support um and so plot Hat's doing it it just came out um ashes Rise of the Phoenixborn has been reborn. It's really epic. But anyway, so I bought into it. I spent like 250 bucks on a bunch of expansions Ow. for it and stuff. Really way too fast. Um, but it came in the mail and I got to play it. Me and my housemate have played it six times in the past couple of days. It's uh-huh. like fairly fairly quick games, but it's a lot of fun. And I knew it would be a lot of fun and it is quite a lot of fun. So I've been in- loving... That's that awesome. we're gonna live stream it this Saturday. I, I know this podcast is gonna be, you know, way after that. But yeah. <laughs> when it's well, when it's awesome. posted,
0: I actually love Plaid Hat Games. Um, they're kind of like the like sleeper in my mind. Um, there's just like a lot of surprising things that they come out with that I'm like, wow, way to go, Plaid Hat Games. I think they're I think they're worth paying attention
1: to right now. Um, they recently separated from Day. They're like, we want our own company oh cool um as like bought them out and then they were like uh we changed our minds and so they recently separated they ended up losing the rights to some of their best games which was a bummer i think like yeah. dead of winter um oh, is still asthma days um and yeah so ashes they did forgotten waters anyways so i've been playing ashes it's really good and what's great is my housemate Jacob, uh-huh. he's actually on the channel. If you've seen him on, he's probably on, he's going to be on this live stream. Yeah, Jacob, um, he is really into it, which is huge for me because he sometimes just is more or less disinterested in certain games that I want to play. Yeah. And he's the one I'm around the most. So him being excited about a game just is so helpful to me because my whole life I'm trying to pitch, we should all play a game <laughs> to right. everyone in my life. So when somebody like is excited and I can just like sit back And play a game. It's just like refreshing. And so that's what Ashes has been for me so far.
0: That's awesome. Um cool. I'll have to look into that. I don't know that so is it it's an expandable card game? It is. And
1: so the live stream we're doing is gonna basically ask the question: like, is the core set like how much content and how much value will you get out of just that? Um, I obviously have a lot more content for it, but we're gonna play just out of the core set. There's like six decks in the core set. And um you can play with any two of those six decks um against each other. And there's a there's a little bit of deck building you can do out of the corset. So if the corset is worth it on its own, it's a great game. Um we've only played, we've played what six games out of just the corset, had a mm-hmm. lot of fun with it. That might be a fine place to just get it, try it, you know, play it every so often like a board game. Um, but it's expandable and if it's expandable game that I like, then I'm going to buy a dangerous. lot of it. <laughs> it's dangerous.
0: Full disclosure. I don't know that I will just because I know myself. <laughs> nice. No, definitely don't. Right after Eon's End, that's a bad idea. Yeah. I might, I might sell my soul to Eon's End for a little bit and then, uh, and then jump in. <laughs> maybe. No. Yeah. Um. Okay. If we're okay with it, can I tell you about my most recent game of Eon's End? Because it was such a heartbreaker. Oh, I've probably Um, been there, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I had heard that the base game was actually a little bit too easy to win, that like uh, the nemeses from the first game
1: uh, Uh from
0: from like the base set were a little bit too uh, easy. So did you do increased difficulty? No, I didn't. Okay, okay, I was (laughs) like, Not even on increased difficulty. Um, (laughs) I decided I wanted to play three different uh, mages this time. I had done two, um, Mm -hmm. so I decided to add in a third. I did do random cards though, like I straight up did the randomizer to see what cards were in the supply. Um, I was playing against the the Glutton Nemesis. Uh, oh, the one that eats the cards. Yep. Oh man, he's rough. He's I don't difficult. Know, I don't. They don't have difficulty ratings on the nemesis in the base game. I think that's so. True, I yeah. was just like, do they?
1: Oh, I don't. Th- I think that you're right they that they don't. Yeah, because they're they,
0: on the backs of um, War Eternal, it had, like, a difficulty level. Um, so I was like, I have no idea how difficult any of these are. So I drew one randomly, and it was the Glutton. Um, so, yeah, every time he unleashes, he eats cards from the supply once the supply is gone or when Gravehold suffers enough damage or dead. Um, it was literally on the last card of oh. the... Of the most expensive spell. No. And I was dealing, like, I had this amazing charge mill going on uh-huh. where I had, like, I had the spell that allows you to add charges to other players. Yep. And one player had all of their portals open and was casting, like, four of those almost every turn. And so they were just, like, throwing wow. charges onto the other players. And it was like down to the last card. I was like, "I'll flip this card. If it is the nemesis, we we're lose. we're done." And it was. And I was like, "Oh my god, no!" That was one time when I was like, "I want to bend the rules so bad." Right,
1: right. No, so oh.
0: that's such an interesting. So that happens
1: actually, like pretty often in End. Yeah, where you find it actually comes down to the turn order flip. Yeah, and I've heard some people, um not like that. They they go I right. don't like that moment. It's too like it's just too chaotic. And the thing about it for me is what it it's kind of reminds me. It's actually pretty like that's actually kind of how a real boss battle could or would work, right? Right. You're you're actually fighting this thing. Oh, it like it like it just got you. Even though you were close, it just got you. And that's kind of how it actually happens. And the reason why it's okay for me is that even though it seems really random at that moment, you could literally go, it's literally a 50, 50 shot right now, or even, even better odds, even, um, even though that moment is predictable and random, Mm
0: -hmm. we're not
1: predictable, but like, um, predictably random per se. Um, the rest of it isn't really the rest of it. You have so much control, so many things you could have done differently. So if it comes down to the wire there and you lose,
0: you could have done something better to make it not i was gonna say it's accumu- it's accumulation of all of your previous decisions that yep. brought it down to that last moment and so exactly. there have been plenty of games of eons end that i won without even really being in danger it was yeah. like yeah like we just for whatever reason it worked out and it was solid totally um i went through so what i actually did was i was like okay if i lost whatever if that hadn't happened, and then I like went on to defeat it because I was like, if we rearrange these just a little bit, just to, just to play it out. Yeah. The the worst time that that's happened for me,
1: I was playing with my friend, and we it was like two of, just the two of us, and we were playing, and we flipped the last card, and it was a nemesis card. We we're like, okay, I think we might be like, we flipped the top of the nemesis deck after they did their things, and I can't remember what it was, but. We lost that turn mm-hmm. and we looked at the rest of the nemesis deck, and every other card out of like the seven below it would have been completely fine. We would have won. <laughs> and so it was the one out of like four chance that the nemesis turn flipped, and yeah. then the one out of seven chance that that one card flipped. And yeah. we were
0: just like, I
1: cannot believe this. Oh my gosh.
0: And it's this is where, but, like, if Eon's End were like a two hour game, it would frustrate me, uh, for sure. Happen. But I'm like, it's an hour, like. It's fine to lose after playing for an hour. I'm fine with that. it. Is. I can and reset and play again if I want Right. And I think that all of those moments, if I
1: look at every single time that that's happened, maybe the, the times that we ended up winning and the times we ended up losing was about the same. Mm-hmm. But if instead of those moments, which at first, obviously, like some people might feel like those are not good moments, you know, right. maybe that some people think that that's a bad part of the game. I find that if, 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 if those moments weren't there and it was instead a decided victory or a decided loss every single time, it would be less enticing of a game. I think the fact that it's sure. such a close game so often makes it engaging every moment from the start of the game. Right. And it does suck when we lose, but also, you know, it was fun. And it, when we win, we're cheering. So yeah, I think it's all the better for it.
0: I agree. And I also like... I, I was also trying to analyze, like, what could have gone differently. I looked at the other spells that I could have, like, put in. Like I said, I did it randomly. Right. But, like, most of the spells that we had in the in as options popped out, or out around four damage. Okay. There was nothing much higher than that. And I was like, okay. Like, there are so many of these other spells that can get closer up to, like, seven or eight damage yeah. if stars align. And, and especially against. Yeah,
1: Especially against the Prince of Gluttons. You kind of want really high-impact cards. Right. You don't want
0: to have too many cards. Exactly. And that was the hard thing is to make some of these go off right, we had to have, like, a lot of cards. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I probably wasted a little bit of time trying to uh, destroy cards out of decks when, yeah, I don't know, it's such a hard balance. And that's what I love the, about the, the game. I can still it, think about it and analyze it. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know exactly what it was, but now i want to beat that glutton dude the prince of glutton sucks and yeah. he's one of the there's like
1: a handful of nemeses that turn the game on its head and that's yeah. what i love about young's end and i say that about a lot of different aspects but every different nemesis feels surprisingly differently and there's specific ones that like the prince of gluttons like um the ageless walker potentially yeah. it, it like just completely changes the game um and the Prince of Gluttons makes it so difficult because you don't want to buy cards. And that's right. one of three things you do. So game it's like, difficult. oh my gosh. Man, such a good game.
0: Cool.
1: All right. That was I a...
0: Think that's, yeah, that's probably the end.
1: <laughs> it's definitely the end for me. I have like 7% battery on my laptop. <laughs> so it's definitely the end for me. You could keep talking to yourself.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, if I'll... you want,
1: to <laughs> send me the files. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for uh, joining for that is this basically just a board a variety board game podcast and then an Eon's End podcast at the end of the episode?
0: No, it's going to migrate away from that, I swear. I'm just okay. so excited about it
1: right now. Okay, <laughs> I, I trust you. We'll see you next next time. Yep, next time. All right. Peace out. <laughs>